This podcast is dedicated in loving memory and for the Eloi Nishmat of Feige, Batrivka and Aaron and Sarah Kotler. May their memories be a blessing for us. The Torah and Ourselves, a podcast for Shavuot. Why is it when people talk to us about Torah, we often feel conflicted? The Torah itself is one light. Indeed, the essence of the Torah, the essence of God, and the essence of the soul are one, says the Zohar. However, for us to be able to receive this great light, the Torah needs to speak to us in language we can understand. The different ways that the Torah puts over its message are called the garments of the Torah. These are described as pardes, pshat, remez, drash and sod. Pshat is the written Torah made up of the five books of Moses, the prophets and writings. Then we have the Midrash, which are the parables and stories. We have the Halakha and the discussions on how to keep the mitzvot of the Torah in actual practice. And finally, we have the Kabbalah, the inner meanings of the Torah. All of these aspects of Torah are necessary and important. And actually, each garment of the Torah helps us understand the others. In this talk, we're going to look at a midrash, a parable, and see what it tells us about how we receive the Torah. Midrash belongs to the inner aspects of the Torah and was extensively used by the sages of the Talmud to look at relationships between elements which are coexisting together. In some ways, midrash can be seen in the same way that we look at Aesop's fables. They are teaching stories which describe the relationships between the elements of the parable. But obviously we do not take their words literally any more than we would imagine that the hare and the tortoise in Aesop's fable really ran a race. Aesop's tale is a teaching story that teaches us that working slowly, patiently and methodically gives us better results than fast sprints. In a similar way, the midrash that we are going to look at today is a parable that teaches us something about ourselves and our relationship with the Torah. Now, whenever we learn Torah, the best place to begin is always the Pshat. It's the basis. We're going to start by first looking at a few verses of the written Torah taken from Moses' final address to the children of Israel before he dies. This is what it says, Deuteronomy chapter 33 verse 2. The Lord came from Sinai and shone forth from Seir to them. He appeared from Mount Paran and came with some of the holy myriads. From his right hand was a fiery law for them. Indeed, you showed love for peoples. All his holy ones are in your hand, for they let themselves be centred at your feet, bearing your utterances. The Torah that Moses commanded us is a legacy for the congregation of Jacob. Well, quite honestly, when we first listen to these verses, we really don't know what they're talking about. And indeed, the written Torah, the literal words of the Torah, was described by the great Rabbi Elijah Vilna as being the most abstract of all the garments of the Torah. Often, it is only through looking through the lens of the old Torah that we can begin to understand the written Torah. 
And so today, we're going to look at the Midrash that was written on these particular verses. And this is what it says. When God revealed himself to the people of Israel to give them the Torah, he did not reveal himself to Israel alone, but to all the nations of the world. First, he went to the sons of Esau and said to them, Will you receive my Torah? But they asked him, What is written in it? And he told them, You shall not murder. They said to him, Master of the universe, but the essence of our father is that he is a murderer, as it is written, The hands are the hands of Esau. And indeed, Esau's father Yitzhak promised him, By your sword you shall live. We cannot receive your Torah. God then went to the sons of Ammon and Moab and said to them, Will you receive my Torah? And they asked him, What is written in it? And he said, You shall not commit adultery. They said to him, Lord of the universe, we issue from adulterous relationships, as it is written that the two daughters of Lot lay incestuously with their father. We cannot receive your Torah. So God went and found the children of Ishmael and asked them, Will you receive my Torah? And they said, What's written in it? And he said, Thou shalt not steal. They said to him, Master of the universe, the essence of my father is that of thievery. As it says, an Ishmael would become a wild man. We cannot receive your Torah. There was not one nation among all the nations with whom God did not go and speak. He knocked on the doors of all the nations asking for they would accept his Torah, but they all refused. Only Israel accepted the Torah with all its strictures and explanations. And this is what the verse says, the Lord came from Sinai. In order to understand this parable, we first need to understand that every person is designated as being an entire world in, in, in himself or herself. So this Midrash is actually portraying the inner elements which exist within each one of us. Inside ourselves, we have both the elements of Israel and the elements of all the other nations. The aspect of Israel that is in us is our soul according to the name Israel, Yashar El, which means straight to God. The aspects of the other nations which exist within our psyche refer to the different and multiple aspects of our ego. These manifest as our wills to receive ourselves alone. Now, the aspect of Israel within us, the soul, wishes to be in affinity of form with the Creator, just as God is giving, it also wants to be giving. It wants to be giving unconditionally, both to God, through faith in him in all times, and to others. We believe in God both when we feel good and when we feel bad. The soul prompts us to believe that God is good and does good. Our soul wants to, us to think, speak, and act on that basis. It wishes to learn and practice the Torah, because, as we said earlier, the essence of the soul and the essence of the Torah are one. And the practice of the Torah is putting into practice the divine laws which bring us closer to God. The soul is not the only element within us. As the parable clearly shows us, we have within us also the other nations. These represent our wills to receive ourselves alone. And as we've seen in the Midrash, 
They reject the Torah. They object most strenuously to its practice. They do not wish to give anything unless they know what they will get for it. These are the parts of ourselves that demand, often loudly, that we receive. These parts of ourselves wish to gain the satisfaction of knowledge, the comfort of certainty and the power of control. If asked to give unconditionally, their first response is, what will I get from such an action? These elements within us stem from our original nature, as God created us within the original thought of creation, and in modern language we call them our ego. And so we find that when called upon to relate to the Torah, we are torn and in conflict. We spoke earlier that every person is a world within himself or herself. In Hebrew, the whole community is called Tzibor. One can say it is made up of the Tzaddik, the Benoni, and the Rasha. These mean the righteous, the in-between, and the wicked. So, we can also look at ourselves as made up of these three elements. The Tzaddik, the spiritually mature aspect of ourselves, is capable of acting in accordance with the desire of our soul in faith. The Tzaddik is at one with the desire of our soul, which wishes to be unconditionally giving in affinity of form with the Creator. The Tzaddik wants to hear the soul. It wants to fulfil the soul's desire in thought, speech and action. But we also have the Benoni and the Rasha aspects of ourselves. These are aspects that are spiritually immature and untransformed. Indeed, the Rasha within us wants to act in accordance with our egoistic desires, to receive in selfish love and to work in ways that simply serve what we perceive to be our own ends. And no, these aspects certainly don't want anything to do with faith. Faith implies giving. The parts of ourselves which are the other nations are either inborn or have developed within us as part of our upbringing and the Rasha within us identifies with them. And so we can see that we have two major opposing elements within us. The soul, Israel within us, and the other nations, the ego aspects. And these have opposite opinions on how we need to act in the world. And this is especially clear when we come to the issue of the Torah. And indeed, we can see that in practice, most of us have a complex relationship with the Torah. On the one hand, we understand and know that this is the unique heritage of the Jewish people. This is the gift that the Jewish people gives to the world. When the Torah was given to the Jewish people at Mount Sinai, we received the great revelation of the light of God. In another Midrash we learn, when the Holy Blessed One gave the Torah, no bird sang, no eagle flew, the ox did not low, the Ophanim did not stir, the Seraphim did not praise, the seas stopped their motion, no creature spoke, but the world was silent. And then the voice came forth, I am the Lord your God. This is the incredible moment which we experienced when we united as one at Mount Sinai. All the Jewish people living today are sparks of the 600,000 root souls of Israel that stood together at Mount Sinai and received the Torah. These root souls are us. 
we reincarnate time and again throughout the generations. And so we too stood together at the foot of the mountain and experienced the voice of God. And that moment is forever etched into our souls. When we're told what's in the Torah, however, we begin to see it makes demands on us. It demands that we work with it, learn it, practice it. It makes ethical demands in action, not just in thought. It has mitzvot for us to keep whether they are convenient for us or not, whether we've grown up with them or not. Mitzvot which declare our relationship with God as well as delineating our ethical relationship with our fellow human being. Mitzvot of action and of feeling. Mitzvot of thought and of speech. The Torah demands a living, active relationship with God in the here and now, not as something historical. The Torah does not let us bask in a cosy armchair feeling of being one of the chosen people, but it demands us to have a relationship with it in the present. Now, a renewed covenant, a renewed commitment. And that is the meaning for us of the upcoming festival of Shavuot. Suddenly we feel unsure. Stereotypes come into our mind. We feel threatened as if somehow our identity is threatened and we feel defensive. But as we saw in the Midrash, this complex relationship with the Torah is not new. It is not specific to the 21st century modern Western Jew. But as the Midrash clearly shows us, it is something that is intrinsic to our makeup. Let's have a closer look now at this Midrash and see if it gives us more understanding of ourselves. As we go into the detail, we can learn a lot about this conflicting view of the Torah that we find within us. The Midrash begins that before God gave the Torah to the children of Israel, he first offered it to the other nations. In the Kabbalah, we can understand this as meaning that when we receive the Torah on Mount Sinai on Shavuot, we receive the Torah as what is known as Or Mekif, surrounding light. The Torah's light shines on all aspects of ourselves, both on the Israel within us and on the other nations of the world within us. It shines equally on those aspects which are capable of receiving the light for the sake of giving, those aspects which we have defined as the soul, but equally it shines on our other nations as well, those aspects which are still spiritually immature and only wish to receive for ourselves alone. So, it clearly is pointing out that we're going to have two opposite responses to this light. The Midrash then goes into more detail as what this response of the other nations actually is. The first thing is they want to know what's in it. In other words, it's teaching us that the aspects of our ego do not want to take the Torah on trust from the master of the universe. They want to know what's in it, to weigh it up, to judge whether it's to their advantage to fulfill the Torah or not. And this response is characteristic of the way our egoistic elements within us function in general, not just how they function with respect to Torah. And that's why... Rabbi Ashlag, the great Kabbalist, calls them the wills to receive for themselves alone because they're not willing to do any action unless they can first see a benefit for themselves. 
Let's see how this functions. In the parable, each of the other nations looks at its own specific desire and sees how the Torah directly counters its fulfillment. For example, the first one, Esau, God first goes to consult with the children of Esau. Will you accept my Torah? And they ask, what is in it? And he answers, thou shalt not murder. And they say they cannot obey it because their father was a murderer. Now, what is the Midrash hinting at us there? The word father in the Kabbalah means the cause. What is the cause? What is the origin of the wills to receive for ourselves alone? Where do these desires actually come from? As we said earlier, they originate from the thought of creation, God's desire to give pleasure to all created beings that dumped within each created being the will to receive this great pleasure. But if God wants to give us pleasure, what's wrong with using it? But that is not the end of the story. In the unfolding of the worlds, the very first act was called Tzimtzum, contraction. And it's from that moment it has been forbidden for us to use our wills to receive for ourselves alone in their primitive primeval fashion. If we do so, we become separated from the Creator. We may only use our vessels of receiving if they are first rectified for the sake of giving unconditionally. This process of transforming the direction of the wills to receive from pure re receiving and only using them for service is termed the tikkun of creation, the rectification of creation, and it is this process which the soul embodies. The knowledge of how to do this tikkun is what's given to us in the Torah. Doing the tikkun in practice brings us into unity with the Creator. In the Midrash, we see that Esau, the Esau within us, considers its own original nature and basically says, if the Torah forbids me to use my original nature as in the way that I received it from the thought of creation, then I don't want the Torah. So basically, it's rejecting the whole process of tikkun. Now, we may not precisely have an Esau within us. Our own wills to receive ourselves alone take different forms. But the process is the same. When challenged by the Torah to do, think or say something differently, or in a different manner than that which we are used to, we feel that the Torah threatens who I am or who I believe myself to be. It threatens the direct use of my desire to receive pleasure in the familiar way I'm used to. It threatens my feeling that I've got control. It takes me out of my comfort zone, and so that part of me rejects the Torah. But fortunately, that is not the only element within us. We also have the soul, the aspect of Israel within us. And the soul has a different approach. As we learn in the Midrash, the, the Israel accepted the Torah. It accepts the reality of the divine presence in the world, even when it is not manifest. Our soul says yes to the voice of God that is still reverberating within us. Yes to that voice which echoes within us throughout all time. Yes to the voice on Mount Sinai when the soul said then and says again now, Na'aseh. We will do it. We will practice the Torah. 
We will make it a living, breathing reality in our lives today. We accepted the Torah and faith then at Mount Sinai, and that is the way we can accept it now, trusting in the goodness of God and in the divine revelation of the Torah as his word. The Torah is the manifestation of the divine goodness of God's essence in the world. It teaches us of ethics and morality, of correct relationships between each other, between ourselves and the natural world, and the correct relationship between ourselves and God. And as we can see from the Midrash, the Torah also helps us form the correct relationships between the different parts of ourselves. And maybe that's the place we need to begin. Learning this Midrash helps us externalize the components within us. It helps us see ourselves objectively so that we can see where we're acting from and where our choices really lie. No longer held in thrall to unconscious primitive aspects of ourselves, we can choose to act consciously in faith in accordance with the tikkun of creation and receive the Torah this year on Shavuot in thought, speech and action and thus provide a renewed and ready vessel for God's light in the world. This audio recording is brought to you from the Horus School, established by Yadida Cohen for the study of the Kabbalah as taught by Rabbi Hudalev Ashlag. Studies with Yadida Cohen are available through the Horus School online. Details at www.nahoraschool.com or www.nahorapress.com.